Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello and welcome from me, Ken Rundle and Philip Cosgrave, Yara's country grassland specialist. Philip, it seems like no time at all when uh, we were watching farmers lift the poorest yielding first cut silages for years. But what a turnaround. Grass growth has exploded with reports of outstanding second cuts and even a surplus somewhere. It all makes managing your fertilizer inputs a bit of a challenge, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, certainly. And I've had a lot of comments about, you know, low yielding first cuts and um, was there potential there to, to reduce um, second cut nitrogen application rates. And I guess for those cuts that were taken on earlier on in May that were lighter, um, there may have been some potential there. But I think in general, growth has picked up to, to the degree that cuts that were taken towards um, the second half of, of May and into the end of May were actually quite heavy. Quality mightn't have been as, as good as in previous years and farmers may have delayed cutting a little bit. But I think, um, yeah, certainly um, they're, you know, either those late cut first cuts or, or those second cuts have, have yielded very well. And hopefully then we're looking at, at I suppose, making up for some of those losses that might have occurred from earlier cut first cuts. So basically we're back on schedule. So I suppose the next stage now is to look at uh, the program and consider application rates. And you've got some key messages for both the silage and grazed fields. We all kind of have that um, rule of thumb in our heads with the application of nitrogen for silage, you know, that two units per day. But I suppose it mightn't be just as clear maybe what you know, the, the fertilizer requirements or the nitrogen fertilizer requirements for, for grazed fields or paddocks. And I guess if you're looking at rotationally grazed um, paddocks and there's a requirement, uh, you know, there's a demand for, for grass and highly stocked farms or even moderately stocked farms from that June to um, end of August period, you know, what's a kind of a rule of thumb for nitrogen applications on those type of farms? So we will be looking at, at a unit per day on those on those grazing scenarios and you might say well how come it's two units for silage and one unit for grazing you have to remember that i suppose you know those paddocks have been grazed before and the excretia from both the urine and, and, and dung then is contributing then to um, feeding that grass so that's why we only kind of need that one unit per day during that kind of that june onto to uh, end of august early september period We've got to move away from the idea of, oh, it could be a bit lower, so let's just put on some extra just in case. That, that's gone. That, that's, that's old days thinking. We've got to really start to think about nitrogen use efficiency these days. And from what I can understand, uh, even the definition of nitrogen use efficiency is changing. There, there is a temptation, and some people would, would say that, you know, one unit is not, is not enough. But we, we have to, I suppose, take into account that, um, you know, how much of that nitrogen that we're applying is actually being taken up and removed in, in the form of a product. And if that's either live weight gain or whether it's, you know, it's milk. And we need to do, you know, it's, it's, it's quite low on, on, on livestock based systems. So we need to do whatever we can to actually increase that, that use of, um, of nitrogen. So we need to get try and get as much of that nitrogen back into a, a saleable product. Um, and there's a lot of work being go- going on now at de- defining nitrogen use efficiency, you know, in, in terms of, you know, farm gate nitrogen use efficiency, you know, you measure the amount of nitrogen you bring onto the farm by way of maybe imported organic manures or mineral nitrogen, and then what goes off the farm in the terms of, of um, saleable products, whether that's um, 
you know, milk or it's our, our live weight gain. Um, but sometimes that may ne not necessarily tell the full story. If you're producing a lot of forage on the farm um, in comparison to um, someone who's importing a lot of, you know, animal feed onto the farm or exporting a lot of organic manures, that will then obviously have an impact on nitrogen use efficiency. So um, we need to sometimes, there's a, 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 there's a kind of a looking at nitrogen use efficiency is now, well, should we take into account the nitrogen that, that was required to grow the crops that have been imported onto your farm? Um, and that then would actually, that had kind of a big bearing, particularly in countries where they're very intensive, like in the Netherlands, um, where a lot of uh, feed is imported and they may not grow as much of the, 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 um, the animal concentrate feed or the actual forage on those farms. So the, on, on, on a, you know, if you looked at it, they would look like they have a good nitrogen use efficiency. But if you take into account all the imports that come onto the farm, that then kind of uh, moderates their, 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 their nitrogen use efficiency. So there's a lot of work going on in this whole area, Ken. And even with those equations, even the spreading conditions or timings can affect things. It really is complicated. And um, particularly in the, in the, in the springtime there. And, but you have to remember that also, you know, during the, these summer months now that um, we can get, you know, torrential downpours, we can get thunderstorms. And we have to then bear in mind when we're, you know, going to apply fertilizer, whether that's nitrogen or whether it's NPKs, that we should be looking at, at the weather forecast. And if there is heavy rain forecasted in the in the couple of days um well then you should hold off on those nitrogen applications because and and that's particularly you know you need to look at it i suppose the, uh, nearly a risk assessment for each field because if you have a flat field versus a field with a slope on it and maybe that slope is running down into a, a water course at the bottom of the field well then obviously that field that field with the slope is going to be more at risk for runoff so we need to be looking at at, at those particular points you know and making sure that the nitrogen we apply stays in the field and is actually you know can be used by the crop and i i guess the other thing is you know if we've got clover swords and this instead of applying the same amount of nitrogen all over your farm or you know it's it's looking at each paddock or each field in at individually you know if a field has got higher percentage of perennial ryegrass it obviously can use nitrogen more efficiently than a, a one that has more a di diverse range of species in it like maybe there could be you know broadleaf species in it um, and or weeds, some might call them weeds, um, you know, or, and, and they w won't respond as well to nitrogen. And obviously, if, if you've got paddocks then that you've got clover in them, well, then there's facility there to either cut out nitrogen applications on certain paddocks that have, have enough clover, like 20, 25% clover, or um, maybe reduce the nitrogen applications to maybe a half a unit per day. So there are things that we can look at and they can have a, a you know, a, a real positive impact on, um, you know, reducing costs on our farm with regards to fertilizer costs, but also then reducing the environmental cost. I mean, whatever happens, nitrogen is going to be needed for food production. So it's going to be a very, very important resource. But there's no point in the industry setting itself up with governments looking for easy targets, setting itself up to uh, to have, have things taken away, important tools taken away from them. Uh, I mean, none of this is back of a fag packet stuff anymore. So it strikes me that maybe grassland farmers should think about establishing a relationship with advisors or agronomists, just like the arable boys have. Farmers will need, I suppose, a, a trusted individual to come in and, and, and assess um, whether that's the, their use of nutrients, putting nutrient management plans together or setting themselves up to reducing, you know, for this, you know, net zero 
because there's a lot of um, a lot of detail in it. If you just look at at, at even the the carbon sequestration side in soils, it's like you know measuring. First of all, you have, I suppose you have to establish the the amount of carbon in your soils. But there's it's quite a um, there's a set of skills required to interpret that information, and then obviously then to um, assess whether there's the capability there, you know, and, and obviously assess then other areas where you know carbon is being sequestered, you know. Nutrient management has a big part to play in that net zero as well. And we need to use those particularly organic manures more efficiently. And that will have a big knock on effect on, on, you know, how we use mineral fertilizers. And obviously that will have a positive gain financially, but then also, um, you know, for that impact then on, on the overall environment. And within Yara, the folk like yourself are already on hand to, to give that kind of advice. Yes, all the, the um, area managers for Yara in both the UK and Ireland, and including myself, were fax qualified. So we're, I suppose we have the skills to um, talk to farmers about nutrient management planning um, and give advice. And um, yeah, we're, our, our contacts are, are available on our website on both the, the UK and the Irish website. Um, so yeah, for any listeners there please feel free to contact any of us for any information that you might need. And for those farmers already using uh, annual nutrient plans, you're suggesting that uh, they check them to see where they are in this program. You know, nutrient management plans are supposed to be put together at the beginning of the year, but who knows what's going to happen during the year. So with an arable farmer um, growing crops, very little will change. You know, but with livestock farmers, for example, you know, you take an extra cut, you know, you take you're in a your rotational grazing and you take maybe a um you know a round out for silage, or there's different things you use or your organic manures differently because of the weather conditions and spreading conditions. So it's time now is not a bad time, you know. This you know, this kind of June and July period is always a good time to look back and say, Well, you know, how am I going on with my my P and K applications? Am I up to date? You know, have I applied my maintenance requirements here? And if not, how am I going to apply them? Is it true organic manures or is it true a, a, an NPK fertilizer? It's been a pretty wide ranging chat, Philip. Are there any key messages you're trying to get across here? Well, the key one is just to look at nitrogen application, nitrogen application rates, take a, you know, obviously take account of the nitrogen, the available nitrogen in organic manures. But yeah, don't look at, you know, one nitrogen rate can fit every field and for every field situation. We need to look at, at um, some fields may require a little bit more, some fields may require a little bit less, but I think that one unit per day on grazing and two units per day on, on, on grass silage fields is, um, you know, is, is, a, is a good start for coming up with your, your final nitrogen recommendation. And as usual, check the data, try and do as much measurement and recording as you possibly can so you've got something hard to work with. There's lots of tools out there. There's plate measuring with, with with those on a, you know, for grazing and um, quadrats, but also on the silage, you know, counting bales of silage and, and weighing a few and getting an overall take on, on, you know, what are the yields coming off certain fields or, or um, you know, counting trailers. But that it's important, you know, if you're growing wheat or barley, you, you know, you're, you've, you've the facility on a combine to know exactly what a field might be yielding. But for, for grass, it's not as easy, but it's a great indication to see how well you're actually using the inputs on that particular field, or maybe the field needs improvement in some way with, with regards to background soil fertility or um, maybe reseeding or rejuvenation. But, you know, data and, uh, you know, measurements are, are, are key to kind of 
getting the, the full value from 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 uh, your grassland area. Thank you, Philip. That was fascinating and hopefully stimulating. Philip Cosgrave is Yara's country grassland specialist, who, as you've heard, keeps a close eye on developments in his field. And uh, it's well worth keeping that horizon scanning process going with the changes that are going on around the world. I'm Ken Rundle, and I'll be back with another of Yara's experts in a couple of weeks' time. Join me then. But in the meantime, good luck with the silage, and hey, when it's ready. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.